0: Yeah, that was something I wanted to talk about because it seems like the overlooked side or the under talked about side mm-hmm. is how much our days
1: can go go south really quick. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things all of a sudden you can feel almost like trapped, mm-hmm. like you do one thing wrong and then you do something else wrong. And you're like, I, I might never do anything right again. Yeah. You know, and you have like one bad ride and then another bad ride. And then you're sitting there thinking, man, do I even need to pull this third horse out right now? Like I think me just being around a horse probably doing more harm than good, you know? And there's, it's just a mental toughness you've got to develop, I think. And, I'm always trying to get better at it because being mentally tough is really, really hard. To me, it's way, way easier to, you know, we were talking about the physical aspect last time, but the mental aspect, especially if you're going to ride horses all day, every day, um, you've got to have some fortitude about you because kind of like anything to get to a high level, you're going to fail way more than you're going to succeed and sometimes failing hurts um mentally emotionally and physically sometimes if you're dealing with horses so um you got to be able to roll with the punches but obviously it's easier to say that sitting in front of a mic than it is to do that you know three o'clock on a weekday and you got three more horses to ride and Nothing's been going your way that day.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can't give up on yourself because mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like there's something pushing you to feel that way. There's something that wants you to just quit, but it seems like the product of allowing your mind to run loose and let you think that way by yourself. That's something probably in the past two or three weeks, I've had a couple clients that have come and either they're picking up their horse or they're learning a little something, hanging out for the day. And I've seen that a lot where it's in their attitude. They have this attitude where they like to talk about their horse like he's bad, like he does bad things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're there to learn a little groundwork and you probably do the same routine a lot. You're trying to show them how to get the horse used to the flag, how to go around them on a circle, how to get the hindquarters, really basic stuff. And so often, while they're doing that and just trying to learn that, their attitude is really the opposite of how we're learning to be, that I can't help but just stop and, and mention it or makes me think about it anyway that horses don't learn by us telling them what to do and they don't learn from us doing more and more reps of it either they learn to do the right thing when we stop and we reward them doing the right thing so a bunch of these people that come to get their horse they're already not even looking for that they're not even thinking about the horse doing the right thing so it's easy for them to pick out all these wrong things one after another. And not only do they recognize it's wrong, but they have a certain amount of animosity towards the horse because the horse is doing it. And, and I can't help, but try to point that out to them as kindly as I can and to each person a little differently, but that unless they can remove that thought pattern in the way they act around their horse, they're going to have a real hard time going forward and especially if they brought their horse because it's been bucking them off or jacking around with them and all these things that they describe that don't sound pleasant it's just going to be doing them in three or four weeks unless they can learn to not take it so personal and i that might be a bit much for people sometimes i mean i've been working at this for a while and i'm barely starting to see the light
2: when it comes to that and starting to really really dig deep with myself and uh, and there's
0: still plenty of days where things get to the point in the round corral or in the arena. And I have to, I have to go put the halter back on the horse, tie him up and go get a glass of water, go catch the next horse and start brushing him. Because I know that I have, I've started back down the spiral and it's not going to get any better. And You know, knock on wood, I'd like to think that I won't go down the spiral in the future. I can go put the horse away before I do, but
2: I've, I've spent a lot of time up till pretty recently here, starting out with high ambitions and probably doing some
0: good and then getting to a point where the horse is mentally blocked. And then I, I read it like he's an asshole that isn't listening to me. And then I take him for a walk down, down the dark pathway, you know. And then mm-hmm. by the time I do get to put him away, it's like we're down at the,
2: at the mud bog. It's no good. And, and try to not take that path to see
0: that there's only one road ahead of me because that's all I'm capable of. It's not the road I want. So we'll just quit traveling for now till we have more options till I'm level headed and
1: I can do something constructive. Yeah. Yeah. It takes an enormous amount of knowing yourself, right? It's people like Buck, for example, often talk about it. Horsemanship as a journey of self enlightenment. So the two things, you know, where it kind of plays in from what you just said, one, you have that client who's all, who's going in there saying, okay, this horse is going to be bad. Or the one that gets me all the time, uh, is, oh, is this a type of horse that likes to test you? I hear that a lot from people like, is this horse going to test me or my horse likes to test me? Um, like you said, you have to not take it so so personal but you also have to have the self awareness
2: that well this
1: is on me you know because obviously the the horse people people sometimes have a hard time thinking this and honestly I do too I'm trying to get better at it but it's just how we're wired to think people think horses or cattle or dogs they have an agenda right and they just um you know anthropomorphize these animals to the point where they feel like the horses are scheming against them right and and when like we were talking about you're working a bunch of horses in a day and nothing's going right man it can feel like Someone's out there stacking the deck against you and maybe it is the horses, you know, and obviously that's not what's happening, but that's just how we're wired to think on some level. And you've got to learn to grow and get past that. Um, But then the other thing, like you said, when you're riding, you have to have the self-awareness that I've kind of reached my capacity or I'm out of place. Where we've gotten some good stuff done, and if I walk away right now we will we will be in the positive, right? We'll be in the black after all this. And if I keep going and you know, try to go through good to get to great, it it's only sure to nose dive, and you know part of it is just doing that enough to where you uh you learn that that's going to happen and learn where that is. And I, for example, you and I, one trait we both have that, uh, that's a good trait in some regards, but obviously it can be to our detriment. I think you and I are both very, very stubborn people. When we get something like in our mind that we're going to do something. And oftentimes that can be to the detriment of the horse. If you're like, well, today I'm going to get on him. And, you know, I don't know, like we're, we're going to do haunches in and you get on them and you get like halfway up your list and you're like, I, I don't think there's any way we're going to get haunches in done today. You know, I can fix up some other stuff and have a good ride, or I could try to muscle my way into a haunches in today. Um, and just learning to have the wisdom to, to pick the right path, you know? because mm-hmm. if you do that you're actually going quicker than you know trying to wage war and force things to happen but you know we're we're humans and you and I especially you know we're men so it's even worse we're just like damn it to hell I'm going to cowboy up and get something done with this joker today um when you could just walk away and it could be a good experience and You know tomorrow tomorrow will happen
0: did you ever listen to that interview with noah cornish on i think it was on the leading rain podcast when they were just asking about his story and life and riding horses and someone asked him maybe someone had a question or the person interviewing asked him how he stayed so calm or just how he had such a peaceful composure when he was writing. And he mentioned that somebody, maybe it was Buck, or he had heard it somewhere. I'm kind of skitzing out on the interview on all the details. But he said he heard he needed to be Zen-like. So he pursued that. He pursued being Zen-like. And I feel like we're trying to break that down for ourselves. Because that's kind of the journey that we're on is figuring out how to be zen-like and like even buddha said patience has its limits so it's not like you're going to reach this point where you're just like mr zen you're still going to have to have the self-awareness where you're like okay i've done well i've made it a quarter of the way through this ride with a lot of peace and zero consternation but i've reached a point where i can no longer continue My patience has reached its limit, so thus I'm putting my horse away, you know, because I I think I've had grander expectations of what a Zen-like nature would be, when really it's it's not much different than what we expect the horse to do. We start out each day um, willing to start all over again every day at what we're working on, and then when we do get a little something, we're happy with it. And we just look for that, that feel, or when we get them with us, we look for that to carry from day to day, just a little bit and grow that over the days, weeks, years, and their whole life. So why wouldn't it be any different with us and becoming peaceful becoming centered that we're just going to see glimpse of that at times. And then hopefully build that into minutes, maybe hours, maybe it's once a week, pretty soon. You know, you could grow that to be somebody who, yeah, someone might look at and say, wow, that guy, he's Zen-like. He's not perfect, and he has his limits, but his limits have gotten stronger. His patience has gotten stronger, and um, it's almost like that Zen that you pursue to have while you're riding your horse or working with people is like an aspect of your character, and it just needs nurture and growth and you you can't expect it to be a facet that'll just be there as a constant that you just count on. Oh, well, I've reached a Zen state, my horsemanship. I don't have to worry anymore. No, you have to, you have to nurture that thing and always be working on it. None of us are above that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, every, Uh, And that's, that's another thing too. I don't know about you, but that almost like contributes to me being hard on myself Um, and and having that negative attitude is seeing people who are kind of farther along than me and like, this isn't against them, but you see them and everything just seems so composed. Everything seems so together. And it's like, why can't you just be like so-and-so, you know, where you have, like, you feel sometimes like you're like an untamed tiger or something like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, what you're doing there is you're taking for granted um, that those people are also human and they've one, probably put an incredible amount of work in to get to that point and two, still have things that they are struggling with right Mm -hmm. um especially you know as like a as a young man like when i first started getting into this people who were really really good with horses um and i saw that and i knew that was something i wanted to be like it was easy to almost kind of deify them a little bit make them greater than what they were and i still all those people have enormous amount of respect for and really uh really have an admiration for what they've achieved but i understand that they're also human and it's not a necessarily a standard you should judge yourself by right Mm because it's it's your own personal enlightenment it's not Oh, I just have to be more enlightened than so and so, and then I'll be good, right? Because that's that's probably one of the most unenlightened sentences you can talk, like you could say. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, you definitely, like you said, you just you start, and and having that wisdom to to nurture it and walk away on a good note, and then just let it grow. And let that capacity for Zen grow. That's, that seems like the blueprint to me. And it has worked. I'm definitely a lot more patient than I was in the past, but man, I feel like I have a long way to go. Yeah, me too. But like you just said, that
0: comparing character growth person to person, it's not apples to apples you, it's pointless to compare yourself. And I don't know about you, but I know that a reoccurring thing in my childhood and young adult life has been hearing that. Don't compare yourself. Um, but it always just seemed like somebody was trying to uh, force a mindset into me here, trying to tell me to not compare myself. That was about as
1: deep as I thought it was. I always felt in a in another life, I felt like that was loser talk. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that person doesn't want to be compared because they don't have a a winning mindset. Now, granted, that's that's from like a sports heavy background, you know. Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. Like, you can't compare yourself. Yeah, to other we just people. have
0: such different uh, physiological makeups, different yeah, backgrounds, exactly. childhoods. We have mm-hmm. different potentials, even. Like we don't even know our potentials sometimes. And so if you see someone who's great at something, they could have put a ton of effort into it or it might come a little easier for them. And then you could mm-hmm. see someone who's really not doing well at something and they're working pretty hard. And you think, gosh, that guy, why does he even still keep doing this? Or, But like, you don't know how much progress he's made or is about to make, or he might have a bear to wrestle with in his mind and you know, that doesn't mean it's an excuse or, or a pat on the back for anybody, but it's just something to think about. And I think when you recognize that, then you realize you don't really need to think about other people. You don't really need to get too deep about then trying to size up the comparison, the comparison battles between you and other people. Just, just work on yourself. Focus on mm-hmm. what's going on, not like in a selfish way you want to be there for your friends and stuff but with comparison just that's where I was going with that is I feel like I heard that a lot growing up and just felt like I was being groomed to be holier than the hour just to have this good mindset don't compare yourself when really and maybe it was and maybe it wasn't meant that way but it was really true because it's not healthy that leads right into the, that Dunning-Kruger effect. How you can get so tangled up in that. I th- I think we read that on the maybe last podcast or the one before. But the, the scales of measurement when it comes to comparing can get so off whack so quick that you have to you have to be careful. That's a that's a thin line to walk. And be objective and and do yourself
1: any good. Yeah, it's um. Well, the biggest thing for me, and obviously I'm not immune to it, but I. You have to be honest with yourself, and part of that's talking about what you need to work on, but part of it is. Acknowledging when you have gotten better at something too. And something I think I've gotten way better at because I was really bad about it. Um, probably in the last five years, something I think I've gotten way better about is not comparing myself near as much. I still do it. We're all human. Um, but what I've found, and this kind of goes back to the last podcast with that mama mentality and, and throwing yourself at something. But if you start to really dedicate yourself to, you know, improving yourself or pursuing something that you want to pursue, you know what, man, you don't have time to like pop your head up and look around at what everyone else is doing. You, you know, you and I might catch up and we're like, Oh, did you hear so-and-so did that? And it's like, Oh, that's awesome, man. But, but you don't have the same like thought process of, Oh, I need to, you know, I need to do that or I need to do that because you're like, oh, well, that's great. And I'm happy for him. And uh, hopefully they're on their own journey, just like I'm on my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, man, I, I got my head in the trenches and I really don't have like any sort of extra bandwidth to dedicate to thinking about how I ought to be like so and so. Yeah. Um, and that's a good feeling. You know, um, it's hard to be busy and it's hard to be working on yourself all the time. But that is one of the comforts that comes with that devotion is you can see other people succeeding and it doesn't bother you near as much, or at least it doesn't bother me. I don't know if that rings true for everybody, but it's like, man, that, it's almost like one of those, we're talking about old sayings that people like you hear and you're like, ah, kind of whatever, but there's some truth to it. Um, like everyone's a winner if you do your best and obviously I, I'm of the mindset when it comes to competitions, there are winners and losers and, and things like that. Like winning and losing is a part of life. It's more how you respond to it than, you know, never losing. But if you've ever lost at something, but you know you did everything that was within your power to like lay out the best performance or lay out, you know, just the best, whatever you had to offer, that's, it's still very satisfying. You're like, you know what? I, I went a hundred percent. And if I look back in time and thought about it, you know, maybe I had have changed this or tweaked that, but I gave it everything I had in the moment. hmm And that's there's something about that that's deeply satisfying, Um, regardless of winning or losing. It's like, no, I dedicated myself to something and I threw myself at it and I gave it all I had. And, you know, given the opportunity next time, I might do something different. But that that to me, that's a good feeling. You know, um, to fully give a hundred percent of whatever you're trying to accomplish. And like I said, if you do that, you get less worried about where everyone else is finishing in the race. Right. Because you're like, man, I just, that's what I had. Um, and, and part of that is just being honest with yourself and being willing. You have to be willing to be measured and found wanting, right? Because that so many people are afraid to be measured, right? Because um, if you do that, you might find out you're not the person your ego thought you were. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. That's my thought on it. Is if you're if you're doing everything you can to to improve yourself, you can see other people succeeding, and it doesn't bother you near as much as it might, if you're just kind of lackadaisically heading in a direction, you're like, Oh, but look at so-and-so's Instagram and look at so-and-so on Facebook, you know, doing this. And, um, uh, Oh yeah. I was at the bar and I heard about this guy and it's like, man, you could go around and round forever seeing everyone else's highlight reel and it'd drive you nuts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I was being measured on something today. And it was not horse related and I came up wanting a lot and it's so hard to take. Like you just, you don't want to just sit down in your pit and just accept that you've dug a big hole for yourself and, and start learning from it. But there's a part of you that wants to just start clambering, start trying to find something to hold up and say, well, I do this pretty good and I do that pretty good. And that's, that's a jagged pill to swallow for me. I can totally relate to that. Um, but on the other hand, we're talking about horses and I definitely get more value out of the outcome of my day, whether things went to plan or not, knowing that I've given my all. And then even after a bad day, if I've done everything I could have made plans to do more tomorrow, then I, I can look up and across and see my friend do something that's great and just be happy for him because rather than it being a comparison or being jealous of him, maybe the great thing that happened to him today will happen to me tomorrow or next week or next year, but if I'm working towards good things and I'm giving all I've got, then having some examples of someone else receiving good things is really just a, it's something to, to look at and look forward to and be happy for them. And maybe use that as a goal, use that
2: as an example. Look at what they're doing. Try to be like them and uh, just try to keep the negativity down. Use that. That's
0: a lot of energy, right? I think when I was a kid, I was told that it takes more more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. I don't know if that's true or not, but, but the idea of it's true, like if you know how it is. Mm -hmm. We were talking about our tempers. So when you're like good and tempered, like to where you're like, you know what? I bet I could go in that bar and clean him out. You know, they'll be eating gravel by the end of the night. That's a lot of energy, but it seems easy. Kind of seems fun. Almost. You Mm -hmm. think, hell, I'll, I'll whoop him or I'll whoop this or whatever it is. You're just going to go up against it. You against the world. And it just seems like a good
1: idea. You feel the dark side flowing yeah, through you. Yeah, the dark side seems like it has so much power. Yeah, that's exactly. It's like, that's, that's like Star Wars. that like That's exactly. I side, think of Star Wars every time I start yeah. losing my temper because I feel like I just have. Yeah. Like, especially so with horses.
0: It's like throw off the rules.
1: Just, yeah. Here's the power and you do whatever you want. And there's yeah. no accountability. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, I am, I am ready to, you know, absolutely just let loose. Right. Um, And then, then obviously you wait and think about it, but it's one of those things where you've got to, you have to tote the line, you know, because you can't, at least with horses and, and honestly with anything, people make the mistake of thinking the opposite of losing your temper is being super passive all the time. Right. And that's, that's almost as, as bad, um, especially as bad with horses because they'll, um, you know, start to, uh, start to get outside of the lines of where you want them to be. But, you know, in, in pursuit of anything really, Um, I don't know about you, but, um,
2: it, it's super like
1: you talk about that hole, like you're in a hole. And for me, neither of these are good options, but it it always seems like the two options I'm faced with are like, well, you can either you know, get mad and start sticking up yourself and say, wait, well, but well, but da, 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 da. Um, or the other thing that happens to me is you just like you just want to curl up in a ball and like not like you feel just awful about yourself. And you're like, I just don't want to do anything. I just want to sit in a dark room and and never come out again or something because you just like, you know, you you think so little of yourself because you've been measured in that one facet and a lot of times with people and this happens with horses a lot happens in sports but it can happen in anything especially things that people consider themselves good at if you're measured and you're found wanting people view that as their entire self-worth as opposed to just that one thing right um and i I know that was easy for me to do with horses shoot. It still is, especially, you know, you rock up in a cowboy hat, introduce yourself, say, I'm going McDonald and I ride horses for the public. You know, that's, that's like what you tell people. So it's easy when you have something go wrong. It's like, well, you know, I guess I'm a lot less than I thought I was. And, you know, maybe that is true for that one aspect, but it's not it doesn't mean you need to completely blow up how you view yourself, right? It might mean you need to change. Um, but an example, the example I like is, um, I was listening to a podcast and they were interviewing a skier. He was an Olympic ski racer and he had been to three Olympics and he was, he's, planning on going to his fourth one hopefully um but he's in his like mid mid 30s now so that's kind of older for a ski racer um and he went to the first olympics when he was like maybe 19 or 20 and he he said yeah the first two olympics um i didn't perform as well and then the last one i actually did really well i won a gold medal and they're like oh what's the biggest change And he's like, well, obviously I practice more and stuff like that, but I really didn't change all that much. Um, but when I was young and just skiing all the time, you know, flying to New Zealand to ski in the summer and stuff like that. Um, I, I would think to myself, my sense of identity was I'm so, and so, um, the ski racer, you know, and he said, since then he, he got married and and had a kid and, in between the second and the third olympics and uh he started looking at he's like no i'm so and so and uh something that i do is i'm a ski racer it's what i do for a living but it doesn't define me as a person and he said once once he had that perspective it was so much easier for him to like go out and ski and enjoy it and uh and practice and improve. And it was just because he wasn't putting his entire self-worth on his ability to do something like one thing, um, because it's not healthy. And, you know, it's funny. You were talking about being measured in something non-horse related, whatever you might like put all your self-worth into, it can change like it can change in a snap of fingers because someone told you you were bad at something. You're like, well, I'm bad at this. So now I'm just, I'm worthless piece of crap or whatever. So yeah, th- those are usually the two things that either hit me. You either get super defensive and let the, the tiger start coming out or you just get super down on yourself and you're like, mm. you're, you know, get all that negative self-talk going. And um, obviously you don't want to respond either of those ways, but it's really tough because we're all human and that for whatever reason, we're wired to kind of think that way more so or less depending on the person. Yeah. Yeah. You can take that,
0: that right to the bank, what he said. Yeah. Apply that definitely to what we do, but I'm sure anything out there.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. I know for me, like having a meaningful conversation with myself is important and being honest with myself. It's easy to to think about it between you and someone else or someone else coming to you and finding you wanting. But to then take that to yourself and not go down either of those routes. You were talking about either being self-loathing or you know, just beating yourself up or getting mad, but to, but sit down with yourself, check in and just apply that information and, and be honest with yourself um, is huge. I know for me that I struggle with that, with being honest with myself. I want to know, I want to know something good. I want a good statistic on myself so I can give myself a little pat on the back and say, yeah, that's pretty good. Let's get a little better, rather than being honest. And just saying, hmm, well, that was terrible. What, what do I need to do to get better? Or better yet, you know, who do I need to ask? Uh, I was just listening to someone talk about that the other day, and they weren't in the horse industry. But they were talking about failure leads to questions and questions, Lead to answers, and those answers lead to some improvement. And then your improvement, you know, is going to be practiced, and throughout that practice, you're going to have failure and, and then back over again. And that as you progress on the journey, of course, your failure will probably look different, but it'll be just as important. So, keeping that in mind as you go along, that the cycle will continue. To me, that. That really spells out why you have those ups and downs and you have the highs and lows because you're going to have new information. You're going to be able to use it, but it's only going to go so far before you outgrow yourself and you can't go balanced. You can't go as a balanced person. You have to be willing to, to step out and then you have to be willing to fall, be willing to make a mistake and then learn from it and then put yourself out there again, but you can't you can't have it all glassy and smooth. You won't go anywhere. You'll just be, just be bland, just a bland person. And, um, I like that, that all kind of, that all kind of tied together. And to me, that's that conversation. That kind of stuff haunts me when I heard Noah say, Oh, I, uh, I heard you he needed to be Zen like, and, and I've been working at it. And to me, This conversation, this is breaking down some of the things we go through, trying to reach something pretty simple. Just be an even keel to work with a horse. There's a lot more that goes into it than just being a certain way. You can't just be a certain way. You need help and you need honesty with yourself and honesty from your friends and mentors
1: yeah, absolutely. That'd be nice if someone could just look you in the eye and be like, well, just, uh, you know, just don't get so emotional about it and keep moving. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I yeah, wish we I had like thought a of that.
0: Computer program that could just take that in, assimilate mm-hmm. the information. Say, yeah. Good deal, buddy. Ready to go. Yeah. Well, Fire back up or you get the little barcode that goes across, says it's updating. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, hold on just a minute i'm gonna put the zen program in here and we'll be be good good to
0: that'd be a good meme you could have like a guy at a clinic who's just been found wanting and he's over there crying on the rail and then it could just say updating he's yeah he's got a poor internet connection so it'll be a while but yeah he's just processing gonna get
1: an update get it lined out (laughs) yeah i mean it's like working with horses man I don't know how you feel about it but I I've, I've always felt this way. At least the way we work with horses um following kind of the method that Ray Hunt and Buck Brannaman um have developed a lot of these things are simple but they're not easy. You know, there's a big difference between something being simple and something being easy. So yeah. There's that's a lot of things in life. I feel like a lot of life's great truths are simple at face value and then you have to do a lot of a lot of living and a lot of experiencing and then look back at them to truly know the wisdom. That lies right there in front of you um because people say things over and over again for a reason it's not just a coincidence there is some truth to it but especially when you're young you can you can just uh hear, hear like an adult say something uh that sounds really simple and you're like oh well well duh and you know you just don't have enough experience yet to realize how difficult that simple thing is. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. At a moment this afternoon,
0: I've got these two ponies here that I'm working with for somebody, and they're kind of funny. They're they're just you know little ponies, and I don't really think much of them. And I was riding one of them out this <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> like i don't mean you know i just it it doesn't seem like a big deal to me as far Mm -hmm. as it's not like
1: anyway yeah i I like the ponies but anyway you you don't have some some bronc stomper out there or some some big nasty thing you know yeah that that's ready to eat your lunch if you don't do everything just right yeah 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 i I understand what you're saying like it's just yeah we're gonna go out and we're gonna work the ponies and it's gonna be fun Well, if
0: anyone from the Shade family's listening, I love your ponies. They're great. And my story here is pretty good. And so I'm riding a little Vita out across this big pasture. And it's been hot here lately. And, you know, riding horses starts to become drudgery every now and then. And so I was riding and it it was pretty out. And this little pony... I don't know if you've ridden a lot of ponies, but there's a certain feel to a pony. They're just, they got little legs and they're stout and (laughs) like, they're pretty powerful for their size. It's easy to underestimate one of those little fellas. um, (laughs) Yes. So I'm riding this little pony and it just started taking me back. You know, all of a sudden I was 14 years old again, riding black beauty across the neighbor's field, probably without permission and just trying to be a cowboy. And loving every minute of it. And I remember back then, it it really took me back. And I, I was probably grinning like an idiot out there in front of God and nobody else. And I started to remember when I'd go out and ride back then. and I wasn't doing it for anything more than just enjoying it. I mean, at the time, I had no idea. I'm still not so sure you can get a monetary gain from doing this. And uh, certainly wasn't thinking about it then. And I didn't know, you know, all these great friends I've made through this. I wasn't even aware of Buck yet. There's a lot of things in my life that weren't in place, but I had this pony and I'd ride her. And it just made me think about why I did it back then. And I started to feel that, how much I loved it. And I was just, I was free. I wasn't doing it for anything more than just enjoying it. And, and it took me back to that. And and I I do feel that now still, but it gets lost sometimes in the hustle and bustle. You start thinking about, you know, the next clients or your horses, or you think about how behind you get on riding different horses or what it is you're trying to learn. Or, you know, it. the list could go on, all the things that we can fill our brains with. And sometimes you're out there riding and you totally miss. I could totally miss the point of why I started doing this. And, um, and then I knew we were doing a podcast tonight, so I tried to store that thought away because I wanted to ask you, like, was there a time where it became definitive for you in realizing that you had made your, your avocation, your vocation, or maybe it happened vice versa? Maybe, um, it was a vocation that became an avocation, but either way was there a definitive time when you realized you had paired the two and you're doing something that you really love and and it's also your life you do it every
2: day Yeah yeah I mean I feel like I have a lot of those moments um probably the most recent one
1: for me was uh was this past Monday. So it was 4th of July. It was a holiday and, um, and Kaylee was off. So I wasn't, you know, I like a lot of people, I wasn't going to really have a day of work on Monday. So I, I, I like fed all the horses, took care of that. Um, and but I was kind of trying to treat it like a holiday, especially cause I'd worked all weekend. Um, and so I'd worked all weekend. I was like, "Well, Kaylee has Monday off. Um, I'm going to do this in the morning. I'm going to ride my horse in the morning, and I'm going to spend the afternoon with her, and then we'll go and go to a cookout with some friends. And, you know, watch the fireworks and stuff, and do Fourth of July." Um, so I was the only one at the ranch, but we did have a group, um, you know, some pairs that needed to be rotated into the next pasture, and so I was riding my horse that uh, Jolene that little paint mare that I have that I've brought down to Georgia a couple times and I really like it when I'm the only one there at the ranch it's just like cool feeling and I'm riding around and so I you know it's Monday morning ride up to these pairs and um, I'm riding on my horse and I guess technically it's a holiday so I don't know if you would call it working but i you know i could just soon could have been on any client horse or something and i'm just riding around checking everything make sure the bull's still there looking at fence um calf had gotten through the next pasture so i got him with the group before i moved everybody um and i was just like man this is you know those moments where you're like i'm right where i need to be like um you know, you can complain about horses and stuff like that, but you know, I'm as far as doing this full time, you know, I had an office job six months ago and, uh, it, it felt like a knockdown drag out for me just sitting in an office all day looking at computer screens. Um, so honestly it, you know, after, you know, today, today's been kind of a crappy day for me, but I'd say at least once a week, I, uh, I throw a leg across a horse and start riding out and kind of look about everything. like, you know, I'm right now I'm doing exactly what I feel like I was put on the planet to do. You know, regardless of if you make money doing it or anything like that, like that, that is truly how it feels to me is like I wake up in the morning and I go ride a horse. I have a feeling like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm doing what I was meant to do here. And I'm not trying to say that in like a, a vain way. Like I have some higher purpose or anything. It's just m- me. Like if I had to choose a way to spend my time, I'd be doing this. Um, and as someone who didn't always do this as their profession man it can be a uh, it can be a life of quiet desperation if you're doing something that you don't want to do and you're planning to do that for the next 30 years of your life or something like that so yeah yeah, yeah I, guess I guess the get- short answer to your question is i i i have moments like that All the time. Um, But the most recent one I can think of was just me riding my horse, moving some cattle, and it's just me out in the pasture, and it's a beautiful July day in southwest Virginia. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I get feelings like that, but this one was different. It took me back to before – I carried around all the baggage of being an adult, I guess. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Just, I appreciate being in this industry every day and getting to ride horses uh, as a job. And I love it. But that took me back to a time when I didn't even think about making a job out of it or why I was doing it. I just did it. I loved it. And... And I think it made me appreciate it more today. It, it connected the dots a little deeper even to where rather than just being appreciative that I could turn what I do for a living into something I can do every day and get paid to do it, um, that I loved it enough that I didn't even care if I got paid back then. Just somehow went a little bit deeper and and, uh, yeah, it made me reminisce on that and just be thankful for all the people I've run into since then. And, yeah, it got me thinking. That's awesome, man. Sure made me think different about that little pony. I was like, you you're <laughs> a good little pony.
1: Yeah. You th- might think a little bit more of them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Little yeah. things, all right and uh ponies are cool man i um i have long since outgrown ponies but yeah i i still like them you know like a good pony is hard to beat because they are like you said the the like strength to weight ratio is different than a horse like they're they're very athletic for their size usually
2: hmm
0: The other thing I was wondering I was gonna ask you, do you have questions? Like what's one of the most common questions you have clients ask you
2: when they come out? Um just hmm. like in
1: regards I mean pr- yeah, probably I, the I left most you pretty broad, I guess. Um yeah, probably, probably the most to- common.
0: Yeah, when they're asking you, because we not only is being a horse trainer a little different than your average person you run across, mm-hmm. but then we're also, you know, working inside of a kind of a subculture mm-hmm. niche community of people pursuing this style of horsemanship. So I feel like there's always questions that come along with that where people are trying to
2: get to know you or why you do it this way. Yeah. Um,
1: in regards to that, a lot of people just want to know, like all the other horses I have in for training, you know, and what their story is. I've found that too. Yeah. They're like, um, yeah. When, if someone will come for a lesson or just like checking on their horse or something, um, oftentimes the two things they're most interested in are what the other horses in my corral are and what all the stuff I have in my tack room is. (laughs) So, um, you know, which is, which is great. And I'll talk to them about it and stuff. And, and sometimes I'm like, well, maybe if we could get that level of, uh, attentiveness to your horse and getting you going with this horse, we might be in a good spot, but yeah. So I I would say it's usually like say someone comes like once a week or twice a week or something. First thing they'll do is they'll get out of their car and like look at the corral because I bring all the horses in during the day and then turn them out to graze at night. So look at the corral while they're sitting there. And, um, and just ask, oh, is that one new? Well, what's his story? And where's he from? And what's his breeding? And they just, you know, they're horse people. So they like to talk about horses and different kinds of horses. And um, yeah, so that, that seems to be what people are most interested in. Because if you're not like us, if you're not around just a bunch of it, like, like you and I, we can just kind of like walk past the line of 30 horses, right? And like, yeah. we will see them but it won't have the same like cognitive impact that maybe someone who gets to like go ride their horse on Saturday morning. Right. And that's, that's what they get to do on a Saturday. Like just because we do it all day, every day, pretty much, it just won't have that same like response um, that someone who like, this is, you know, for them, they, their horse is like, I don't know going fishing or like go going out on the boat or going to golf with their buddies on Saturday. Yeah. So it just like, it, it's like really piques their interest. Yeah. 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 It's kind of an event for them. I yeah. That yeah. That's a better especially way to say it. People that
0: don't even ride when they start asking about your horses or they want to car- compartmentalize you, like ask you, are you a, I had someone ask me the other day, you know, what we did with our horses and I tried to explain that our own horses were Just making ranch horses and you know i didn't even get too technical and then he goes oh great do you guys rope i said yeah we i i said yeah we practice roping a lot and uh he said well are you a header header or healer you know but yeah it's still funny to me because like you said same thing um you know we're just around this stuff all the time so it's neat to hear questions from from other people. I get that a lot, too, with horses. People often, yeah, they they want to know what the other horses are up to. Like, mm-hmm. hey, who's this? What's his name? And then they say, what's his story? They want to yeah, know what his, story, his story is. what's his story? And That's always, the classic that, that question. That always kind of irks me a little bit because um, a lot of times when a new horse comes in, people will ask you, the client will say, well, you know, how much do you want to know about him? And my answer usually is, now it's like well you can tell me as much as you'd like but it's not gonna be that important i mean Mm -hmm. gonna start from basics and work our way up so yeah any, any any dross in the gold is gonna rise to the top we're gonna skim it off and uh but it's still funny. So that kind of irks me a little bit sometimes when they want to know the story on the other horse, that's not their horse. And I'm like, yeah. golly, I wasn't listening when they told the story about that one. So I'm certainly not going to be able to tell it to you. Yeah. Now, if it's somebody I, you know, well, I like everybody, but if it's somebody who I want to take the time to do it with, sometimes I'll even just kind of, I'll just try to remember what I can and piece in mm-hmm. the rest from, from fiction. And just make something up. Yeah. The story. Or tell them how it's going, but it's, it's always fun. I really enjoy that. If there's a day when there's a client coming by and just, you know, I try to spend a couple hours with them and talk to them about their horse. And it's amazing how many people typically new customers coming in don't really know about this kind of horsemanship. So it's really fun. It's fun Mm -hmm. to plug the buck channel and tell them about that. Take them in the tack room I'll show him Bill's tack, try to get him to go buy a Kerry short saddle. Um just all this stuff. There's so many things where it um it's stuff they haven't heard before or haven't seen. And you can tell, you can see it in their eyes. It's like they're at the at the museum or something and they're learning history that they never were taught or seeing some artifact they've never never even knew existed. Yep. I have a field day with people when they come out and just get to see their horse, learn a little something. And I get a kick out of that.
1: Yeah. Well, you got a good tack room for that education. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do.
0: I know if we ever get to doing a video podcast, that'd be a great place to uh, have Mm -hmm. a little studio based out of. Absolutely. some, some Nice tack in the background.
1: Absolutely yeah hey,
0: did you um have you you watched this new show with chris pratt
1: the terminal list no have you seen the ad for it or anything no th- you're this is the first time i've heard of that oh, really yeah and i think you'd like it it is good I just i'm still
0: watching that on the plane because you know we've oh, okay. talked about this we don't watch a lot of stuff because we're yeah i was gonna say i'm go still over.
1: trying to catch up on tv series that came out months ago
0: <laughs> but i had a little free time um, flying this past couple of days so i downloaded that and watched it that's something i've actually been waiting for that to come out because i got wind of that and i like chris pratt and um and it's a cool it's a cool um show it's based off of some novels by jack carr he was a navy seal mm-hmm. and it's oh man it's every bit great you'd you'd love it i'd highly recommend
1: it what's the name the terminal list terminal list well check it out what what's the platform so he's a navy seal commander no i mean like where is it streaming oh (laughs) (laughs) like if i wanted to to watch it what what service would i need or whatever amazon amazon prime okay i think you can find it on there gotcha good to know yeah yeah i'm i'm sure i'll figure out the the details (laughs) in in good time if i sit down and watch it terminal list
0: if you watch it
1: yeah i'm still the one uh speaking of star wars the show i'm trying to get through right now is the new obi-wan kenobi show oh really on disney plus yeah because i'm kind of a big nerd but you know as, as you probably know i mean july this is kind of like peak busyness for the horse business so been running around just riding horses and you know finding ways to fill my free time up um outside working and stuff and haven't gotten to sit down and watch most of it but what a uh, here's a question for you if you had to pick like all time a tv show or TV series.
2: What's hmm. your favorite?
0: How can you pick one? This is my rhetorical question. Okay, but I here, will attempt to answer that. I here,
1: will. I'll reframe the question. To make it, in hopes to make it a little easier, but it might make it a little more difficult. Give me your Mount Rushmore of TV series that you've watched, okay? So you get All right. four. All right. Fair enough. Oh man.
0: So here's one. I don't know if many people out there will know it. If any of my siblings are listening to this, they will know it. It's called Due South. It was a Canadian hit TV series in 1997, I believe is when it came out. Um, the lead character was played by Paul Gross, Canadian actor, and he played a Canadian Mountie who came to Chicago on the trail of the killers of his father and remained as a liaison attached with the consulate there, and um, it's like a crime series where you have this cop duo, but it's really cool because you've got a Chicago flatfoot and then this Canadian Mountie hauling his big flat-brimmed beaver hat all over the <laughs> city. and He's real gullible. Well, no, I won't say he's gullible. He's very innocent, but at the same time, he is he's sharp what? as
1: tack. Very innocent. Minded. No, the word before that. Gullible. He's not gullible. Huh. He's very you, smart. You say that word different than I say that word. word. Gullible. 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 Yeah. Gullible. Like a horse that's been galled by a singe or something. <laughs> He's gullible. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, I'm Maybe. really derailing uh, your your little thesis here. So uh, okay. Right. So
0: due right. south. Yeah, so due south. Okay. but the reason why I'm explaining it so much is because most people have never heard of it. So probably wouldn't go watch it. Sure. I highly recommend it and very okay. family friendly, but it's riveting. It's great. So New okay. South is right up there. Um, next on the list, I, I'm going to throw Bonanza in there because Bonanza was pretty, pretty important mm-hmm. in my childhood development. I really love that. I was thinking about Bonanza today because I was thinking, you know, it would have been a cool podcast, as if uh, Joe Cartwright and then maybe like Haas had done a podcast and interviewed a bunch of people, and not the characters, not Michael Landon, but but actual, you know, Joe Cartwright. He was just, he just seemed yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So Bonanza, and. I'm not going to say Walker Texas Ranger but when I was little like now it's kind of hard not to watch that and cringe you know You're right right Dark Norris is great you know, I watched it when I was little his too own right Yeah but yeah 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 it <laughs> I was just in Texas the other day and I'm riding along with Tim Ryan and we're going through the Dallas Fort Worth area and I just told him I said you know it's funny every time I drive here you can see Dallas off in the distance and you're driving along i i can't help but think of walker texas ranger because i'd watched that as a kid and i just thought it'd be so cool to live in the dallas fort worth area and drive around and a little pickup with you know the off-road lights and you're beating up bad guys and you know taking names and kicking ass but <laughs> it's it's i mean there's no walker i look <laughs> and i asked him tim thought that was funny but i yeah. guess they had actually filmed that out in there where he lived but. Now, I won't throw that in. I'm going to throw it in there so I can get this over with. So, Bonanza, Walker, New <laughs> okay. South. And then, um, hey, did you ever watch Archer or Arrow?
1: <laughs> you know, if you watched Archer, too. Yeah, like, I've seen both. Good show. I've seen both, yeah.
0: I can't put those on my favorites, though. Arrow was pretty good when it started. I like that. Yeah. And then... I'm gonna put the terminal list. It's brand okay. new. But
1: A little that's recency got bias, but I like that's
0: it. To, oh, and and then um did I get four or
1: five? No, you got all right. I'm going how to many people are on Mount Rushmore, Ben? Four. Yeah. Can you name actual Mount Rushmore?
0: Okay, you've got George Washington, yep. Teddy Rose. There might not be an order, but you have George Washington, Teddy Roosevelt, Abraham yep. Lincoln. Yep. And Hold on. Thomas Jefferson. Yep. Okay. We're good.
1: So, but I was yeah, trying so to see more people order,
0: and I could get the order, but we won't. we don't need to do that right now.
1: No, no, that's it. We're trying to talk about television. Not okay. founding father. So, so let's go with new South
0: Bonanza. And then we're going to throw in there um, this new show, the terminal line. And terminal then List. I'm going to throw in there justified
1: damn okay yeah did i did i steal that from you okay all right so naturally four. i'm gonna do my list now but you steal, you stole t- two from me because i was gonna do <laughs> bonanza and justified um well, why the hell are we friends joe we i have nothing know. in common i know <laughs> um okay and then walker texas ranger is like an honorable mention it is okay i got gotcha. you and if I was going to honorable mention
0: anything else, I enjoyed Longmire, but I feel like that's a little cliche. I mean, it was a great show. Uh, yeah. But, but it wasn't really deep. we're like justified had some nuance.
2: Well, maybe for me, because again, it's
0: show. like the, it's like the cowboy thing, right? Like we're right. again, we're not lawmen or anything, but Longmire kind of an easy pick because cowboys and Indians and all that, but we're justified is a little outside of our wheelhouse. I mean, I was born in Virginia, and you are from near Apple. Yeah, I was going to say, so like Justified's just, is close, a little
1: too close to home for that's me. That's close
0: for you. Yeah. Where for me, I feel like that's not close to home. mm mm-hmm. um, So that's what made it a little more special. It was yeah. stuff that I didn't realize went on.
1: Yeah. Uh, the majority of, like, I guess you'd say, like, the hillbilly-type stuff that happens in Justified um, – yeah, most of that I could probably f- find relatives or family friends that have been involved in something similar. <laughs> like it, it it was a little too real for me when I was watching it, um, being from southern Appalachia, but that's that's part of the reason I liked it too. Do you guys make your own apple pie?
2: No. Do I need to be
0: careful <laughs> if you ever offer me? some apple pie (laughs) (laughs) just depends how our relationship goes i guess you know come to think of it if if remember that movie killing them softly if we were rating Mm. movies
1: too i would have i haven't that's another podcast yeah that's another podcast all right keep going i don't want to interrupt you oh i was just gonna say um oh i can't remember what i was gonna say so okay so you got your mount rushmore that's a good mount
2: rushmore okay um
0: you know in america we all have the same mount rushmore so it's okay to, to borrow a couple of tv shows no no we well no, no no we all have the same four presidents on mount rushmore
1: i i know what you're saying but we're
0: stuck with that
1: i i'm not going to copy your mount rushmore okay because we're in the podcast game now so we need content and it's bad content for me to just copy what the co-host, my co-host is saying. We need good content. We need good content. quality, quality, content. quality. So I'm going to lay down okay. some quality content with this Mount Rushmore All right. of TV Call shows. Okay. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get the comedy out of the way. Okay. Um, have you ever seen the show Community? No, but I've heard of it. Okay. You'd like it. So it's really funny. It's a it's a comedy based in a community college. And it's it's a great show. Absolutely love it. Um so community. You took bonanza from me because Bonanza was definitely gonna be on my Mount Rushmore. So I am just gonna mention that Bonanza was also a very formative show for me um mainly because it was like my dad's favorite show growing up so naturally when i was growing up we watched a ton of it um my name was joe so i got called little joe a lot growing up um yeah so it's it's really good
2: um so i've got community
1: Have you ever heard of the show Mad Men? mm Okay. So Mad Men is like a really popular show, probably in like the late 2000s, early 2010s. Um, and it's set in the 60s on Madison Avenue in New York. And it's about these guys who they're called Mad Men because they work on Madison Avenue and they're in advertising. And that's basically their job as they come up Like they come up with all these iconic advertising things for like Coca-Cola and like Lucky Strike cigarettes and like all these things, you know, in the 60s, how like Americana was kind of being formed and like commercial America was being created because there was this big post-war boom. Um, So anyway, that's a really good show. Um, So I'd have to put Mad Men on the list for sure. Um. You ever seen the show Vikings? Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like that show too. That might be recency bias because I've only watched it like in the last two years. Um, but I feel like Vikings was a exceptionally good show as well.
0: Yeah. My friend Jake turned me on to that right before I moved to Georgia. And oh, I met, yeah. I met you not long after that yeah and you were sporting a beard and i don't know if
1: yeah because that was that was like you looking like a Viking or
0: something but somehow it came up and then we were Mm -hmm. talking about that
1: yeah yeah that
0: show it started losing me after some of the human sacrificing and stuff yeah you know it it was really cool but i or maybe i ran out of dvds i think he gave it to me on dvd and i know Mm -hmm. you could get it now on
1: I think it's on Amazon. Platforms. Yeah.
0: Too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might pick that back up. We'll see.
1: It's wild yeah. though. I mean, it is. I I just love history. Um, I just absolutely love history. So it's uh well like, and especially Scandinavia, yeah. During that age, it's so awesome.
0: Yeah. But yeah, the way they did that, wasn't that a was that a history channel show? Yeah. It was just done very well. Like mm-hmm. you could tell they did a lot for accuracy and really authentic history. Yeah. And less for just the actors and yeah. Showing that off. So it really made it it's a pretty visceral show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's accurate in that it is um pretty close like it's very close to what the epics say happened um but also the epics are called the epics not a textbook right exactly Um, but but no it's yeah it's a it's a good show and i think the guy who plays ragnar lothbrook I, i can't remember his name but i think he's an exceptional actor yeah and um you know kind of a throwback to what we were talking about, like last podcast with Genghis Khan. Like, that's another guy who you imagine sitting down and having dinner with Ragnar or Lothbrook. You know, someone with just that much charisma and that much of a leader. Um, just being around someone like that would be super interesting. Yeah. All right. So, um, you got three. Three. Yeah. Okay. So, I've got like a comedy. And then I've kind of got like two historical dramas. So I need to think about where to go from here. And this is going to be bad podcasting, but I'm going to look on my phone real quick because I can just look at my Netflix account and see. Oh,
0: that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I was expecting... I love Lucy or Yeah. Something like that.
2: Yeah. You need a nice nice fluffy show. Yeah. Well. Mm. That's I mean, that's why I keep keep talking about the
0: terminal list. Because when you watch it, you'll see that it is not fluffy. Yeah. Like, it is <laughs> it's visceral and well, like it's not gruesome. It's just visceral. It's, it's very real. Yeah. My understanding they had a lot of Navy SEALs on set. I know Jack Carr was on set and some mm-hmm. other guys and they made sure everything they did was accurate, was real stuff. SEALs would do in the field or
1: yeah. You know, they, they didn't mess around. Yeah. Okay. I've right. I've got it. And this is, this is recency bias, but I've really thought about it. And then I've got an honorable mention as well. Okay, um, but my last one would probably be uh, Peaky Blinders. Oh yeah, yeah. No, hand- like, like if you've ever watched, have, so have you seen Peaky Blinders? Yeah, I haven't seen the new season. Me either. Yeah, um, that's I. I'm gonna watch that after I finish. That's Obi-Wan. an excellent um, show. Um, but yeah, Peaky Peaky Blinders. Man, yeah. Like now you probably understand why my hair is the way it is i picked vikings and peaky blinders oh did you like gotta have gotta have shaved shaved sides of your head man yeah (laughs) but um no i did not i had this haircut prior to watching either of those shows but anyway that's that's an excellent show peaky blinders is really good and that the main actor in that is exceptional yeah um you know what's funny about that show though is like I, so I I just discovered it like last fall, and sat down and watched it. And if you ever binge watch Peaky Blinders, you'll get like, like there it's a aggressive, violent show, right? Because it's about British mobsters in the 1920s. Um. So you watch it, and then you just like find yourself having like. Way more like I was having like violent dreams and stuff from watching yeah. it, you know. <laughs> Just yeah. like it was like you almost like felt like you craved violence. Well, like so like, is Cillian Murphy's character, yeah.
0: Like in the movie, he's having those violent dreams, yeah. All the time. Exactly. Because World some, War One
1: and oh man, yeah. Yeah, and World War One, I, I mean, all all war is bad, right? Yeah, like I think that's pretty universally accepted, but World War One was just like a whole different level of suffering yeah. for people. It was really kind of like a low point for humanity in general, yeah. <laughs> World War I. Um. So, yeah. So that would be my, because I couldn't pick Bonanza or Justified, my Mount Rushmore would be Community, Mad Men, Vikings, and Peaky Blinders. Okay. Yeah. And then my honorable mention, which is all—it's kind of in the same vein as community. Um, my honorable mention would be uh, Parks and Rec. Okay. I don't know if you've ever watched Parks and Rec. Just a little bit. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Um, the more the more you know about how local government operates, the funnier Parks and Recs becomes. So. yeah that's a pretty good list yeah yeah I also um ah, what you know in addition to Bonanza, what's the other there's a western and it's uh it's got like an older older father and um the kid's name is Blue boy. Uh, um. Oh, the High Chaparral. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's that, a great show. I I love that show. That has one of the most iconic
0: um intros. Yes. Or, you know, music yeah. soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So if we're if we're just doing westerns, um, TV or movies, probably right after Bonanza, I would put the High Chaparral. Yeah. Because the High Chaparral is darn good, and I'd. Oh. It hands down,
0: uh probably even b- before Bonanza, even though Bonanza means a lot to me, would be the Virginian.
1: Oh yeah.
2: That's
0: I love that. That's yeah. a great show. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh what about um I like the rifleman, even though it's kind of corny.
1: Yeah, but- to me, the rifleman, and, and I don't know the timeline of them all, um. But to me, the Rifleman kind of seems like the godfather of all yeah. these like like Western TV shows. You know, yeah. Like it seems like the it 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 just kind of plays the hits. It's like the classic of the Rifleman. Yeah, that that and Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke like plays like every I am a Western TV show motif. Yeah, through but, it. I, but but I think the
0: Rifleman paved the way for the way Bonanza it showcased this heartfelt relationship between a father and his son or sons in the case of Bonanza. Totally. agree. The mother had passed away and it's left with his sons and Mm -hmm. sort of like Andy Griffith where our country, there was things changing in popular culture and the way parents were, you know, raising their kids and dealing with them. And you Mm -hmm. just saw that a lot. Like if you watch Andy Griffith, have you watched the later episodes? Like when they became color and then it became Mayberry RFD for a little while. I think for um, the
1: last season. No. Like well, if you go I mean, Netflix, I'm sure I have. When I was I watched a kid, them on
0: Netflix, they might be on Amazon now. But yeah. like we're used to seeing all the black and white ones. Yeah. But if you get near the end, it became color. And then yeah. Opie was pretty big kid by then. And then it became Mayberry RFD. And um, what is I think Barney moved up rule free delivery? Okay. I don't know if that was the channel they ran on or somehow that got in the title. Gotcha. And, and then Barney had gone up to you know, some other town. He was a d- detective. So he was more of a guest on the show, but it was really interesting. Like you had Opie and his friends playing rock and roll and like, you could see culture change because you yeah. watched the first Andy Griffith and there's something very nostalgic about watching that show. Like if I'm in a hotel room, or somewhere, yeah. and I turn on the TV and it's Andy Griffith. Like, I'll mm-hmm. watch it because I love it. And I've seen almost every episode, especially the old ones. And it's just very, it's like comfort food. Yeah. Andy Griffith. But then watching you the watch kid it right on his through the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> especially like the first one where he's like this little kid up mm-hmm. to topple over with that pole. But if you watch it through to the end and you can see American culture change really yeah. clearly in that show, to me,
1: that's fascinating. You can see the hippies steal our innocence from us. You can and you can see the adults. <laughs> you
0: can see that the parents being all indignant about it too. Like they're yeah. trying to shut down the parties and the kids are trying to be free and dance and play ah. the music. And yeah. Miss Betty or whatever her name is has always cut her her skirt and a knot. And you know, it's just funny.
1: Well, that's the thing about the youth. Is there a problem? Yeah. Freaking youth. <laughs> the youth. If we could just get the youth in line, this country would be okay. Yeah, we
0: should start talking like that now while we're young. So when we're old, we won't sound grumpy. We'll just sound like we do now. Oh, we'll I feel like I'm a grumpy old man for years.
1: Yeah, I've, I've already been told I'm a grumpy old man. I feel like people that are like six years younger than me. I'm like, tell you what. <laughs> are you serious? I don't. Um,
0: you're not one of the people I know that I think of as grumpy
1: at all. No, I... I, I definitely have a grumpy old man side to me, but, but you got to remember then like we have very different backgrounds. You and I like, you're probably the first person I've ever met. Who's never heard of mad men, for example, like your, your pop culture uh, knowledge is, is not, <laughs> that would be something I would measure you and find wanting. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is not a bad thing at all so you're not missing out on much but you know what i mean like i feel like i probably had a more like plugged in with like modern media type upbringing. undoubtedly yeah yeah
0: yeah guilty is charged yeah but again but that's like you said thing. i
1: know you say it and
0: i feel the same way i don't feel like missing out i just no. you know gives no, you a little different perspective Yeah. The other thing, too, like speaking of TV shows, are there any like for me, like a show like the A Team, or Mm -hmm. uh, MacGyver? Mm -hmm. Like I used to think that was really great. But now I don't think I could watch an episode of that because it's so cringy. Like it's uh, it doesn't add up. Doesn't work. Yeah. You can't roll up a stick of gum and then like slip it into a door lock and then put some wires on it. And, you know, like. Some of the things he would do. Yeah. Are totally out of this world. Or the A team. Like yeah. getting a pile of metal and like a tank of you know oxygen and <laughs> a couple of <laughs> welding sticks. Next thing you know, they've built like an armored school bus. And like yeah. so we have a whole shop and enough steel here to build something. And you know, it'd take a good day just to round up your tools and start welding.
1: Yeah, but Evidently, you're not the A team.
0: Right. <laughs> Evidently not. <laughs> Yeah. But the aren't those
1: shows aren't those shows like Saturday morning cartoons before Saturday morning cartoon. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. kind of like geared to the like 8 to 13 year old range and it's just like, you know, let's watch Mr. T beat someone up. Yeah. Is that why nobody died on those shows? Yeah. Well, I mean they're definitely geared towards a younger audience.
0: Like they must have had a contract that said nobody would be killed or you wouldn't see blood
1: because they also a lot of bullets. I mean, they're like shooting. That's how TV was back then though. Like I would say it probably wasn't until the late nineties that like TV, you could start having, you know, any sort of like death or injuries, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what's a darn good show if we're talking about that era. You ever sat down and watched MASH? Yeah. Holy crap, MASH is a good TV show. Yeah, it's funny too. Yeah. Right? Oh, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Just a lot it of good comedy. Up. Yeah, it does. It holds up today. All the way. I think the series finale of MASH, because you know how like TV ratings are now, they're super inflated because there's just way more people. And what like, you know, you see like oh, this many people watch the Super Bowl or something crazy like that. And there's just way more people now than there were in 1980 in the United States with televisions. But I think the series finale of MASH, which was like in the 80s sometime, uh, it's still in like the top 10 most watched th- events ever in the United States. Wow. Which for the time is insane. Yeah, that's... That's a good run, yeah, Yep. Well, anyway, so that, man, that was there in the Korean War. Yeah, Ash, I think yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah, cool, man. Well, that well, stuff went on for a while, but yeah, yeah. Well, well there you go. This... We we can have some more Mount Rushmores in the future, because that's like always Mount Rushmore a Rushmore idea. That's a good thought exercise. I um. I'm sure if some people listening to this will like, no, I'm stealing it from a lot of other places, but it's, it's not uncommon in, you know, podcasts or, you know, who does it the most is like uh, morning talk shows for uh, like sports and stuff. Like who's, who's on your Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks or something like that. They do that all that, that, especially this time of year when the only thing going on is baseball and there's not a lot of sports to report on. They'll just get like some talking heads up there and be like, Well, this is why I think Tom Brady is better than so and so. And this is why you know Kobe Bryant could actually beat Michael Jordan one, you know, and they just like like tee up all these hypo hypotheticals to waste time for these guys? Um, but yeah, that's where like the Mount Rushmore thing comes from. But yeah, I don't we're, watch we're a gonna, lot of that. <laughs> yeah, so pretty me pretty loop on sports, yeah. Yeah, me neither. Um especially the, you know commentating or anything like that. Yeah. I um I would watch it as a kid, like like a middle schooler waiting for the bus. Mm-hmm. I'd just have like ESPN on as like background noise. Um, and they'd be doing that junk all the time. Yeah. But yeah, looking back now, that I'm sure I could have been doing something more constructive with my time, but you know, when you're Twelve years old. All you're trying to do is just watch stuff that rots your brain. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. It keeps it short, sweet, to the point. You only have to pick four, mm-hmm. but it's funny. By the time you pick four, then you wish you could
1: add more to that. Yeah. There's yeah, a it's of- a good. It's a good number to where you don't have to completely pigeonhole uh, your opinion, but you have to give value to every pick yeah yeah so cool man well i'm about ready to call it a night but i think that was a that was a good discussion tonight made me feel a whole lot better yeah kind of tie the day together yeah exactly exactly just being able to i mean and that's kind of what this is all about at the end of the day is just kind of being able to commune with like-minded people and kind of get those exchange of ideas out there because um you know, you and I are friends and we talk a lot and stuff, but we probably wouldn't sit down and, and have a conversation with this much intention if we didn't yeah. have this podcast. So it's, it's good. Yeah. Like you said, you need, you need friends to, uh, to keep you honest and help, help keep you on the move. Yeah, well, four down and 996
0: more to go. 9,996 more to go. And we'll be good at this.
1: Yeah. So next time we'll do our uh, Mount Rushmore of on the move episodes. Yeah. Sounds good. (laughs) All right, brother. Good night. Sounds good, man. All right. Take care, bud. Bye, everyone.